Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We just have a good rhythm together, you know. He sort of feels me out, I feel him out, and uh, we go for it. Hello and welcome to the worst idea of all time, season four, episode four, Guy Montgomery. Stop that off-mic chatter. The show begins now. I was just trying to tell you, Tim, that I'm actually uh, planning a boycott of the Edinburgh Fringe this year until the last week. Do not not put any kind of a date stamp on this podcast. It is immortal and it is to be consumed morning, afternoon and evening at any part of the year you choose. There should be no talk of seasons. It is prohibited or festivals that fall annually at a particular time but if it's truly timeless i could be talking about going to the edinburgh fringe in any year or not going as the boycott may stand presently now that's a good point boycotts are forever festivals are once a year but boycotts are forever until they're not uh hey tim how are you mate we're talking about every day at the moment (laughs) which is good it's lovely it's good to hear your voice again so uh so soon um, I'm doing well, thank you. I've had a, a lovely day today. Went to the physio, try and get my knee sorted out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, still, still having gosh dang problems with that knee. Yeah, man, it's been seven years. Seven bloody years. But he's taped it up real good. How about you? That should sort it out, I always reckon, eh? You got a bone or a yeah. cartilage problem, just whack a bit of external tape on it. That should see it, right? Absolutely. What is skin if not just a bit of tape holding us together? Yeah, and that tape needs a bit of a tighten around that bloody knee of yours. Mm. you got a loose knee. It's trying to get out, but we've got to keep it in. <laughs> How's your day been going, Guy? Uh, it's pretty good, thanks, man. I, um, I just got home. Uh, so the way I watched the film today is I watched two hours and ten minutes of it this morning. Uh, a lot of yes. which well, I watched uh, in... Not slow motion, but certainly uh, warp speed. But uh, no, like not warp speed forward, but like warped speed. Like it was, uh, yeah. it was not good. Uh, Fucking good on you, man! I really tip my hat to you for doing it and doing it immediately as well. You sent me a short video of it. It seemed like nightmare fuel. Yeah, yeah. It really uh, makes a lot of the actions and decisions uh, more deliberate. Uh, mm-hmm. Also more ominous, and um, certainly laboured. Yeah, it, I mean more, more than anything, Tim. It just sort of slows things down. And anyway, I only watched about half an hour of the movie at that speed before uh, returning to normalcy. And yeah, uh, I then went and watched for homework. I'm currently learning how to do improvised comedy. Uh, at the helm of a wonderful little pyramid scheme called the Upright Citizens Brigade. And uh, as part that of the curriculum, you've got to watch two shows, two improv shows, specifically at the school. And so, Do you have to pay to see them? No, you, you don't. You pay a hefty... Because that yep. is how you do a pyramid scheme. Yeah, that's true. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, you should. I, I'll send a letter. Um, but I, anyway, so I just watched... Uh, it was interesting. It was sort of Sex in the City, and then uh, two pretty, you know, ordinary improv shows back to back, which beggared the question 
you know, what is harder to get through? Two hours of consecutive subpar improv <laughs> or Sex in the City in slow motion <laughs> for the fourth time? Take that, you fucking improvisers. <laughs> right up there with the 2008 absolute dinger Sex in the City. So uh, Alice, Alice Nedden of Boners of the Heart recently uh, stayed with me here in New York and... Uh, when she did, I had a I have a, a small desk in my room, and on top of which was a piece of paper, uh, which was explaining the Herald, which is the what they call the house format at UCB. Uh, it's just like a long form improv game, essentially. And Alice walked into the room and saw that piece of paper on the desk, and broke into hysterical laughter. What wouldn't have been less than a minute, <laughs> and then just said, exacerbated through gasping breaths. Uh, I just imagined you studying improv at that desk. Uh, it is truly <laughs> the most humiliating practice to acknowledge being interested in or particularly formally educating yourself in. Um, <laughs> Fucking hell. You've fucked up in a massive way when, when that's where you're at, right? Because you get into sort of performing arts because you don't want to do schoolwork and you get into improvising, presumably, because you, you don't want to do any of that kind of book stuff. And yet there you are with a bloody book learning how to do the one presumed escapism. Uh, yeah, no, it was, it was certainly... Because uh, I live with myself and I live in my room and I just hadn't used the desk for about you know a week. So that was just the last thing I'd put on top of it. But certainly it provided a fascinating glimpse into where I currently reside uh, professionally. Uh, well, let's, um, let's hit up pros and cons uh, or however this will work, of, of versing the improv shows that you saw in the movie against one another. So tell me one advantage that the improv show had over Sex in the City. Uh, spontaneity. I couldn't help but notice the spontaneous nature of the, uh, the performance. You are an acute observer of art, yes? And in a lot of ways, Tim... Uh, I actually feel like, funnily enough, the improv probably could have used a bit more uh, rigid structure or certainly, um, you know, (laughs) a judicious edit at certain points. Not like Sex and the City. I keep wanting to call it two, but it's not two. Uh, Look, I think all all up, they both take an emotional toll, but it's sort of different. With the improv, it's like uh, there's no greater service to it it's just sort of time stretches out in front of you and you're just living inside of these sort of silly ideas there was one uh woman in the first group who was like uh sort of what you'd qualify as a middle you know a senior student at a university or polytechnic sort of institute you know uh sort of 20 years older than the rest of the group and i don't want to be ageist uh but you know immediately her energy was just out of this world nervous uh, and this is like you're watching an advanced class. So this is someone who has chosen to not only like you know learn this and practice it, but pay not an insignificant amount of money to continue with the experience. <laughs> and so I was immediately drawn to her performance in a way that sort of eliminated everything else that was happening on the stage. I I was just captivated by her. She would not have spoken more than four sentences over the half hour performance. Uh, but God. the amount of times she almost stepped out onto stage and did not. I couldn't count on hands and feet. Uh, and like it was so, I was so engrossed by it that I went from uh, sort of being, you know, fascinated and amused by it to uh, sort of feeling slightly worried for her to just genuinely wondering where she's at in her life for this to be mm. how she, it was stressful. Oh, it sounds, I mean, I'm feeling very pensive just hearing your recounting of it, to be honest. And I don't want to entertain the notion anymore because it's making me feel a little bit sick. In my <laughs> I'm stomach. so sorry. That's how I felt. But then uh, enough time has passed that I've sort of made my peace with it. Uh, but I yeah, for you, it's obviously, this is new information. And you haven't even, you haven't even seen know. it, so you don't even know how funny it was. You just heard about the, the, the weird reflective parts. <laughs> <laughs> Less to do with her Guy, performance, can I ask, more to do with me. Go ahead. Can I ask you a question? This is uh, one of those questions that gets formed in your head when you're watching a piece of content when you don't have, excuse me, full uh, confidence in the people who wrote it and made it. 
do you think that the writers of this film um, know that the country is called Ukraine and not Ukrainia? Because there's a man. line in the film which is, and there an old Ukrainia, Miranda, found her new apartment. That's right. Uh, look, as always, uh, I think the question has to be asked, maybe this is a deliberately written uh, character flaw in Carrie. Well, not necessarily character flaw, but maybe Car- maybe the writers do know exactly what uh, the name of Ukraine is. But Carrie doesn't. But Carrie Bradshaw don't. I mean, it is, I, it's jutted out at me every time as well. I just uh, hadn't thought to bring it up. So I'm glad you have because I have it written in front of me. Uh, oh, great. It's, I mean, what, what, what is there for it? You know, it's just... Uh, it's like, have you? Did you? Have you ever accidentally called Canada Canadia? Yeah, not often, but it certainly happened. Isn't it embarrassing? As soon as it comes out of your mouth, you just feel this clunky yeah, error definitely. just come rolling off your tongue. But it kind of maybe it should be. Maybe they should just roll with it and rename the nation Canadia, just to fit in. So many people have worked so hard to deprogram themselves from saying that they'll be absolutely ripped to hear they got to relearn it. It's going to be a real challenge. Things change, man. You know, every other country used to be on a system uh, like the imperial system, and now everyone's metric. Uh, God bless the United States have really cast their die um, big time with that one, put a real stake in the ground. But think, you know, time marches forward, and maybe this is time for Canada to reclaim its glorious pronunciation. Do you need to add an I in there somewhere to make it, yeah, like that. it'll be between the D and the A at the end. Uh, mm, Canadia. But I just feel like, you know, I, SJP in the recording booth when she's laying down some of that sweet VO, she would have felt yes. it coming out sound weird, and they're in old Ukraine. It's possible that it, uh, yeah, it might be written, it might be not. Carrie Bradshaw, she's known for her japes and puns, but this one, I it just... She doesn't seem worldly enough to, to my mind, that character. I think she's just fucked up, is what I'm saying. Anyway, look, it's one of those things which you're going through the movie, you're going through a smooth bit, and then that bit just comes out at you like a a little ridge. Mm. Uh, how did you How did you enjoy watching the movie today? Uh, two parts, similar to yourself. I watched about an hour and ten minutes before I... Uh, went and got my knee sawn to and then came back and consumed the rest of it it's a bit of a different experience doing this project solo doing the watches solo guy it's not as fun that's for sure no uh it, but there is scientifically speaking there's a quite an enjoyable or interesting element of uh bringing our findings to one another that is you know unique from uh it's true we've done it before but never like as the bedrock of the season I mean, yeah, and also the turnaround that we're looking at here, just to just to get to get the work done, is crazy. I think we've done four. Oh. We've done like four in two weeks, mate. We've done four. It feels like inside about eight days or something. We're watching this a lot at the moment. We we uh, both must have quite a lot on. Yeah, clearly, and kind of. This is this isn't true, but it feels like you're doing work as well. Like I feel like it's a good use of a morning. Which I'm sure will change before very long. <laughs> you know, but it's like is... you know, I'm doing something. Something is being achieved. Here I, uh, if I'm waking it, up first thing and watching the film. Am embarrassed and gleeful to confess the same feeling. Where I sort of factor it into a day. When I think about it, looking forward to reflect upon a day as I go to sleep. If I've done uh, yeah. one of these, I'm like, well, you know, not for nothing. Which is ludicrous. It, Absolutely for we nothing. We clocked in. We yeah. turned up in the office, we said hello to everyone, we got the in and out trays, well, we gave them a dusting, you know, we had a look at them, didn't get to the bottom of any piles, but we had a thumb <laughs> through the envelopes, seeing if anything looks urgent. Are you, a, are you the kind of guy who goes uh, through a pile one by one, or do you sort of, have you got three piles, are you just sort of taking stuff off the top and looking at it as you go? Uh, I think I'd be a pile dude, if, um, yeah, if, if I was in a position that warranted me looking at a lot of envelopes yeah i think i want to get a bit of a system i i wouldn't face it without a cup of coffee in front of me as well i'd need to sort out some piles in a hot steaming cup of java which reminds me i still have not seen our boy anywhere in this picture no coffee guy 
he's hidden somewhere in in one of the frames. I mean, you you'd hope so because if after fifty two screenings he doesn't turn up, then something so much more sinister than neither of us can imagine is afoot. Uh, his yeah. his shadow lurks in every frame. Before we get into that, though, I just want to ask: Are you the same person after that steaming hot cup of Java? So, do you think the guy who wants to put a system in place and get ready to go through piles one at a time is the same guy who's looking at three piles after a cup of coffee? No, I think that you can attest firsthand to the change that happens when I've got low blood sugar and then suddenly put some food in my body. It's not quite as pronounced, but a similar situation does occur pre and post caffeination in the morning for me so i i actually think we're dealing with an entirely different kettle of tin oh <laughs> uh, yeah uh wouldn't you agree absolutely um you're pro- i would say you're probably uh you, you would rival my wife as being the most qualified person to be able to comment <laughs> on this because we don't usually interface with each other in a um any anything approaching a work capacity you know it's just uh take it as it comes for both of us but you and I, we want to be in some sort of fine fighting form when we're uh, going up against an enemy like this movie. Yeah. Is this movie an enemy of the state? Is it an enemy of Tim? Oh, of course. <laughs> it's an announced enemy of Tim. <laughs> you can believe it. I love this. Uh, I love your system <laughs> of just creating uh, enemies to motivate yourself. I think it's so it's yeah. so it's so good. It's so sound. It's a great motivator. It really works too. Um, but uh, what were we talking about? Something coffee guy. So no no sighting of him. Yeah. No, cannot find hide nor hear of the guy. Uh, rest assured, he's out there just fucking pounding the I streets don't know if he is. and pounding caffeine. Where, where else could he beat him? I reckon he's fucking with us, man. I don't think he was ever in the movie, and I think someone got to IMDb before you did and maybe just put that line in. So they knew what was coming. They knew one day we would uh, we would get there. I'm actually just trying to look up an actor from the film on IMDb, and it weirdly doesn't seem like they're credited, even though I've seen them in tons of movies and they're a lot of TV stuff. Paul. Oh, Should yeah. I just dive into my shining light? Yeah, you you go straight into your shining light, mate. Do you know who I'm talking about? Just dropping the name Paul. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, I've researched him myself. Although I, I've also um, he's the asshole at the. No. Oh no. Unless there's two Pauls. I thought there was Carl, the guy who's the partner who interrupts. Uh, yeah, that's Samantha. that is Carl. I think that's Carl. Paul is one of the interviewees for the position of oh, personal assistant yes, to yes, Carrie yes, Bradshaw. Yes, 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 yes. He's the guy who worked as an assistant to a VP at Merrill Lynch, and he's v- extremely well kept. He he's in a sharp looking suit, perfect hair, gorgeous face, and then she sort of says, um, "You know, he lists his credentials and sounds very impressive." And then Carrie Bradshaw asks him, uh, "Why did not, you want this particular?" That's right, because his, his credentials don't uh, directly lend themselves to the job he's applying for. They're a bit more banking oriented, uh, and. She asks why he was interested in this particular position or words to that effect. And he he does this lovely, like, just small eye motion down and the camera pans to below the table to reveal that he is wearing an incredibly fetching pair of pink, I think, high heels. Um, beautiful shoes on a beautiful man. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice little pullback and reveal. Uh, my uh, my the actual shining light bit is the look that he does then. So we see the shoes, and he just gives a little mm-hmm to to carry Bradshaw. It's very knowing, yeah, isn't I love it? it? It is. Uh, I actually I quite like that too. I've just looked him up, but I don't recognise him from, any, from anything. Uh, he was in what would you what would you? He was in an episode of Louis as a doctor. I don't know if you've ever watched the TV show Louis. Uh, Starring what's, uh, what's serial creep Louis C.K. His name is Peter Y. Kim. Peter the Return y. of Jezebel James, Ugly Betty, Law and Order. Oh, he's in Hackers. Fuck yeah. I was on a podcast recently, to, like yesterday, talking about the 1995 smash hit Hackers, which is one of Angelina Jolie's first movies. He's... um. 
He, interestingly, if he's who I think he is, he's this um, very gender ambiguous cross-dressing character in that as well. So I wonder if this is, this is the dude, if this is a bit of him. So it would seem. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, Tim, you know I'm a huge advocate for hiring an objective, professional, licensed professional to tell my problems to, so that when they tell me what they think, I know I'm getting it straight. That's where BetterHelp comes in. That's right. BetterHelp have a big pile of professionals to talk to at your convenience online. You've done a bit of therapy, right, Guy? I started doing therapy during, uh, there was a pandemic, I don't know if you remember, and the benefits were immediate and long-lasting. They help give you skills that you can use when you are in stressful or anxious situations. Honestly, it's changed my life for the better. I guess that's why they call it BetterHelp. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash all time today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash all time. Uh, would you like to hear my shining cold. light, Tim? I'd love to. Nothing would bring me more joy. Uh, it was uh, a real uh, attention-grabbing turn by Kim Cattrall, uh, entirely occupying the character of Samantha, after Smith get it, uh, who, by the way, the more time yeah. I spend with, the more I like. This is like a, what we've gone in different paths. Please go on. He's a he's a great guy. He's a fantastic partner. He's uh, he works hard, sure, but he's very he's you know he's uh, he obviously loves Samantha. He's very um, adaptive around her lifestyle. You know they're making sacrifices for one another, but I think by an, he takes the breakup like an absolute hero. I reckon he's covering himself in glory. I reckon he presents as being dumb as a pack of hammers, and the fact that he can't figure out there's anything wrong with him turning up late on Valentine's Day evening, and she's obviously upset about this, and he can't, you know, muster enough. Act. He's a professional actor. You got to pretend to care. He's off she the clock. Cares. He doesn't need to pretend I to care. It's... it's better to react honestly in this instance. Maybe, but he comes off quite callous and cold, I think. And I, I, I actually took a real strong dislike to Smith Garrett in this particular watch. So it's interesting. That is interesting. No, I, so I have written here. He's literally the best dude. Wow. I just, I don't know. I mean, I guess we'll both take each other's uh, findings to our respective next screenings. Um, But I just thought, I mean, do you disagree that he doesn't take the break up up like a champ? That he does, but I think he takes it so well that he's one of those guys who actually orchestrated it by being a dick. You know, like he wanted to break up, but he couldn't be bothered. We've got a body of evidence of of him not being a dick. Well, that's true. The, the chemo thing, do you mean? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's. I, I'm not even thinking of that. That's in the back of my mind, obviously, but just generally within the movie. He's not perfect. He's late on Valentine's Day. Uh, you know, he's he goes to sleep at 9 p.m. But 
I mean, that's a fair gripe. Of, it'll get pretty tiresome if someone does that. But my shining light actually is when he gets chewed out after he arrives late on Valentine's Day. Uh, Kim Cattrall channeling the the power of Samantha uh, bellows at him. She's prepared a delicious homemade, handmade uh, series of sushi rolls that she has draped across her naked body uh, in the hopes of his arrival at 7.30 p.m. to eat the sushi from her and eventually, I imagine... Uh, they will fuck the ever-loving shit out of one another. Um, but he arrives late. She's in a robe. There's a stack of sushi in front of her. She's furious, as you've said. Uh, and he says, hey, come on, babe, what's the problem here? And she goes, uh, well, I, I, you know, she's, just, she's angry about the whole state of the relationship, the sacrifices she's made. And she bellows out, enjoy your California handmade roll. <laughs> And uh, as she says as she it, throws it at him. She hurls just a big whack of raw fish, and it gives a very satisfying slap against the cool yeah. steel of the fridge. And uh, that entire moment, uh, I found really great this week. Well, my new favorite, my new shining light of this uh, this watch is you doing that announcement. <laughs> Of the sushi roll, like a baseball commentator. Yeah, look, I tell you, because it was probably ended up being quite loud. It's a little late at night here, so I was wary of really oh, gotcha. uh, channeling Samantha. But I think I just wound up talking as loudly in some weird made-up character, <laughs> some like good. dispassionate but noisy baseball announcer. Uh, but it's a yeah. good moment. It's a great moment of the film. It's a moment of tension and fun. Because you're like, shit's going down, but it's with Samantha, so there's still an element of fun and levity to this. Absolutely. Uh, can I say another thing I noticed from this, Tim? Do you think it's weird that catwalk models aren't allowed to smile? Hmm. And this, yeah. th- this movie's got me thinking about it, but it seems like an odd rule to me. Yeah. What's that about? Uh, is, it, is everyone... I guess not everyone's allowed to smile. The Buckingham Palace guards famously not allowed to smile at their job. But otherwise, by and large, smiling uh, is, if not encouraged, certainly not, uh, you know, frowned upon. <laughs> if you will. It is odd as well because I think most people look more beautiful when they smile. And, and yet, I've, I've noticed that you, yeah, I mean, and you don't, you're not afraid to tell that to every single person you see as you walk past them down the street. Only the woman. Be uh, fair to me. Only okay, the woman. That's true. Uh, you are, you know, indiscriminate in who you choose to say it to. Uh, one of, as long as they're women. Yeah, <laughs> that's the main criteria they have to pass. You're truly a joy to be around. Um, yeah. What, I mean,. I don't know. Do you do you, do you think it's odd? You, would you be more likely to buy some high couture, you know, some weird Mate, uh, bit of fashion if if someone smiled at you and said, "This will look fantastic on you." You've bowled me over with this observation. I don't know what it's about. Every other thing that's being advertised to us in terms of a service or a product that we wish to buy is being sold using smiling people. You know who's frowning. The people who are using the competitors' products in the ad. <laughs> That's I'm right. Always looking at car insurance, and some poor sap hasn't bought the right one from Gecko, and his his bloody upside down smile is telling me everything I need to know about calling up that fucking Gecko. What kind of a mascot? How did they land on that for car insurance? Like, what is the relevance between a lizard and not just driving, but specifically? protecting your finances in the event that something goes wrong while you're driving. I don't think of a gecko. I wouldn't think of a gecko in a hundred years. No. But associated the, with that event. When you get a gecko with that sort of talent, what, you're just going to let it walk out the door? That gecko has been the anchor of a series of very popular, well-received, uh, and largely funny ads on behalf of Geico Insurance. And, uh, you know, if you let that gecko walk out the door, it's going to be snaffled up by any of any of the other competitors. And then who's smiling? Well, Whoever's got gecko. Whoever's got Geico. Geico. You just figured it out then. Yeah, I did. <laughs> you <laughs> just literally resolved. just backed hey, into the answer to your question. Look, I, th- I think you're right. 
I want to I want to acknowledge the fact this is a great point that you've come up with, guy. Um, oh, thank you, Rhea. You've really knocked it out of the park. It's not that rare. I'm a pretty smart guy. A lot of people tell me yeah. I'm a smart guy. I've found Peter Kim's website over here. It's uh, <laughs> Peter Kim, it. PeterKim.com. That bodes well. <laughs> yes. It has the uh, Webly Favicon. I'm probably saying that wrong. Fave icon. It's the, you know, the little icon that websites have in the top corner of your browser. So when you yep. save it as a bookmark, it comes up with that picture. He's, he's got the Webly one, which I know is someone who uh, has some websites made on Webly. That means he hasn't paid for the professional level. He's on the starter pack. Um, says, welcome. This is the website of actor Peter Kim. Please make yourself comfortable. Take a look around and hire me. Seriously. About me. I'm from New Jersey. Yes, the state that is the butt of many jokes. But seriously, it's an awesome place. Lovely Holy towns, shit. great schools, this is too close good. to New York City. Tons of malls, no sales tax. Did I mention no sales tax? That said, I reside in Brooklyn. <laughs> after, after doing numerous high school plays How and long is this and- website? And getting, this is on the front page, baby, and getting through an awkward growth spurt, I attended NYU to study acting. I made my off-Broadway debut in Yoko Ono's rock opera, New York Rock, and yes, Yoko is a genius, and I got to go to the the Dakota, is that a venue? I'm not familiar with the Dakota, and struck the keys of the white piano. I then made my feature film debut in Hackers, opposite Angelina Jolie. And yes, Angelina is as, is as beautiful in person as she is on Two screen. and yeses in one paragraph? <laughs> You've got to be out of your mind. That device is, you're lucky to get away with using it once. He's got headshots on here, he's got a resume. If you scroll down to the bottom, it'll actually tell you that this is a, the free tier of website you can make on Weebly. Um, maybe Peter Kim is not the roaring success I had in Pegdas. But he's very likable. Well, certainly the brief uh, glimpse into the biography that you just read for us uh, has endeared me to the fellow no end. Oh, he's good. He's literally got his whole resume on here. Someone needs to get Peter Kim in some more fucking movies. Well, you can be that someone, Tim. Hackers and then Sex in the City and that's it. Come on. I reckon I could... Uh, he lives in Brooklyn. I live in Brooklyn. I should go out for a coffee with this guy. Could you? Yeah, I'll, I'll have a go at it. I'll get in touch. Let's get him Let's get him on the pod. Let's find, what a great guest get that would be. Fuck me. Imagine that. The Peter Kim from Hackers? Of of Peter Kim, PeterKim.com? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good. Can I share something else I wrote down? Yeah, man. man. This is a, hey, Tim, this is an open space. Yo. I want to hear from you. <laughs> Thanks, man. Okay. Samantha has uh, reshaped her entire career to be geared to serving the needs of Smith. <laughs> I am not surprised that she is sick of this dude. She is not only dating him, living with him. If you look behind her, all the shots of the interior of her workspace, there's huge blowing up posters of his TV shows, his magazine front pages, and that, then just random headshots and tasteful nudes of him can blowing I inter- up on the wall. Can I interject briefly? That is her workspace. Please. That is her fit out. That is not... Yeah. That's not his call. It's fucking... Ma- it's, it's, it is the... Um, uh, what is it called? Home Makeover Extreme Edition of Offices. Someone's gone, what do you like? Lego? Cool. We built an entire house of Lego. Hope you kids never change your mind about the things you like. What do you like? Smith Garrett? Cool. <laughs> he is like the colour of paint that we are going to head to toe redecorate this office in. He's inescapable. I'm not. Th- I'm surprised the relationship lasted as long as it did, to be honest. It's a nightmarish way to interface with a person. It is undeniably too much. Uh, in saying that, though, you know, the idea of painting the walls with Garrett uh, is not... Like, the idea of change to, to the characters in this film is not... It's not... Uh, it's entirely unrealistic, you know? It's not a, it's not a burden. Like, they bounce around houses. Uh, 
you know, if anything, I mean, if anything, this this movie provides an entire misrepresentation of the experience of packing, which is famously one <laughs> of the worst things <laughs> you can possibly do, and yet, like uh, an entire party montage, which is just fan service, is dedicated to the idea of packing being a real laugh. Yeah, there's so much packing in this film. Packing a lot of movement and moving. God, it's a nightmare. Yeah. I hate taking stock of how much stuff I've accumulated. It is a disgusting pursuit. It's actually one of the great reminders that we've all got too many objects, eh? I think in this day and age, I think most people could probably benefit from a bit of a slim down on the amount of shit that they own. I certainly could. I'm looking around in the studio, guy. I'm surrounded <laughs> by by bits. Bits everywhere. Yeah, you're a big bit guy, though. There's a there's a um something, I don't know, some vaguely useful sounding but also absolutely nonsensical new age movement uh, where you you pick something up and if it doesn't spark joy in you uh, you don't need it and you cast it aside it's from a book isn't it one of those books I've heard so much about yeah I think it's from uh, Richard Scarry's or his books god jokes don't work if you don't remember the details no (laughs) I I don't know who Richard Scarry is. You're on your own. Adrift at sea. No, you know him. He does the uh, the best little the best little word book ever. He does all those weird. Oh, this is a nightmare of a riff. I am so <laughs> so I am humiliated. Go back to school, mate. Jump back into your bloody textbooks, teaching you how to do improv. What are these books? Are they like the ones that you keep buying people for Christmas and stuff? And it's like little words of advice or something and it fits in your pocket. You are going to remember his very distinct animation style. Uh, I'll I'm going to Google it. I'm right next to a computer. Uh, My computer, not someone else's. Very Was good. his name Richard what? Scary. S-C-A-R-R-Y. Um, what do people do all day? Oh, Okay. <laughs> Oh, yep, 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 yep. Children's books. Yes. Did I not say children's books at any point in that process? I didn't hear it, but that's not to say definitely that you didn't say it. They're kind of a lot of anthropomorphized animals doing things. This one's very familiar. The Busy World of Richard Scary, which has got a worm driving an apple car on the front. That's delight. That is some shit you remember. Indelible mark on my subconscious. I love what he's done with the place here. It's like animals playing out the roles of humans, and all the the titles are kind of like the busy, busy world and what do people do all day. It's about like children's perception that adults are just kind of running around doing busy work, which I have to attest as an adult, if we've got any kids listening, absolutely true. We're not achieving anything anymore. I think we peaked in about the late 60s. Yeah, I, I'm i inclined to agree. We're not really... I, well, I mean, we sp- I speak for myself, and we speak for ourselves. Um, it doesn't feel like there's a... <laughs> I'm always in buildings. I go up, like, you know, you go up a, a lot of levels in a building nowadays, and you're sitting in a room full of, like, young-looking people, and you're like, none of us have any idea how this thing is upright. Yeah. Like, no, there's, you know, 20 people in a room... 40 floors up. Fucking A. No one with a fucking clue how we got there. We need to get back to basics before it's too late, eh? Do you know that the human species forgot how to make concrete for 300 years? There was evidence of concrete. I can't remember where exactly. Maybe ancient Greece. There's evidence of it up until this particular period. And then everyone forgot how to make it for three centuries. And then they figured it out again. What if we do that with basic structures? That is incredible. Uh, it's, see, I mean, you'd like to think someone's written it down somewhere, but, uh, I mean... I think we're so focused on going viral these days, no one's paying enough attention to how a bloody A-frame stays up. You've gone no. viral lately, Tim? Absolutely not. But I'll die trying. Won't we all? And that is the greatest thought of all. Uh, it's horrible so have you got any other observations quips uh, quibbles man I got tons moments of joy what did you uh, what got under your skin the most this week 
Uh, under my skin the most. Oh, we. Well, I've actually got two moments I really enjoyed, and at the risk of burning future shining lights, I I wouldn't mind just uh, effort, them man. To the you, you you'll dig deep week after week. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I really like the picture of Big eating dinner by himself on New Year's, surrounded by salubrious folk who were just drinking and smooching up a storm around him because he seems contented. We're supposed to feel sorry for him because it's like, oh, this this poor sad old man's fucked his life up he, he had it all beautiful penthouse apartment gorgeous rider wife he should be celebrating his first new year's and his third marriage but no he's eating by himself but he looks like he's having a fucking good, a good go of that steak and just a lovely glass of pinot oh i find times. uh the character's decisions of places and ways to celebrate holidays that uh, you know, the way they talk about them, you know will be triggering for them. Absolutely fascinating. There is all sorts mm. of self-harm taking place. Um, like, Carrie and Miranda's choice of uh, restaurant for Valentine's Day, when they are both processing pretty deep-cut heartbreak, is mind-boggling. They choose a place that is so fitted out with helium-inflated heart balloons that you can barely see five inches in front of yourself for low-hanging, like, red foil, I guess, you know, attached to the balloons. The staff are wearing... It's a real... Oh, I mean, it, it Sorry, seems... Sorry, you, you finished the thought. It seems like the art director was just having a bit of fun because it's it's so deeply impractical. When Carrie tries to storm out in a huff, and I do usually get a little laugh out of this, she tangles herself in the, the low-hanging yeah. uh, foils from the balloons, and... um. I feel like they were playing that for laughs. But, you know, all the staff are wearing angel wings. Like, this is a restaurant geared so specifically towards romance. Um, and they just gleefully go out. And, like, then Big doing that on New Year's Eve. It's like, if you're feeling upset, mate, don't go out to a fancy restaurant where everyone's partying and have a meal for one without engaging with anyone. I love that he did. I love that that was his call. And that actually does genuinely feel very New York to me. It's like, I don't give a shit how I'm feeling. I'm going to get out in the community and interface with my favorite restaurants and and places to be. I love that. It feels very metropolitan, very urban. I'm happy to hear it, actually. I like going out for a meal myself as well. But given the circumstance, I don't know. Uh, Happy to see you enjoying it, though. It's It's a lovely... What do you think of Chris Knott's performance in this movie? I'm into it. I'm into it. I think it's better than he than he does in the second movie, frankly. How about you? Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. There's a few bits where he sort of just he just seems to be a, in a bit of disarray. Just he seems to be a bit of a mess as an actor. I can't not tell. I can't tell if it's um, like a, a performance decision by Chris Noth to. Uh, like, because Big comes across as quite aloof throughout this film, and it's I can't necessarily discern whether or not it's a character choice or an actor who's just very relaxed on set. Um, but like the scene where Carrie, you know, spills out her uh, disgusting line about coloring inside or outside the lines, and she goes home oh. and Big's sort of stumbling around the balcony with his tire skew. Mm. Uh, and it's it, it looks the tire skew just looks it looks bizarre like it looks to me you know if you're watching a movie and you know you don't notice things and that's the intention of art direction and the mise-en-scene and all that stuff and then sometimes if you're making something or if you see footage of yourself on camera or you look in a mirror before you're you're about to do something and you've dressed yourself like there's a certain difference i think in the standard between a tie being askew on a set and you trying to make your tie look askew for a performance and it's the job of like war- it's more pronounced yeah like a, a, you know a, a wardrobe person will get it just right so they know how it will look on camera to read perfect and you'll get an approximation right. of it that could wind up looking goofy as all hell and terrible and there's ah, there's a you scene think that's what's happened yeah when he's stumbling around the balcony his tie like it's the same thing as like what i noticed with those awful wide fucking caprizi suit pants uh 
it looks to me like wardrobes absolutely nailed the placement of the askew tie and then chris noth is like just before michael P- mattress pikelet king calls action he sort of gestures over to wardrobe and he's like don't worry i got this and moves it like half an inch and it just looks so fucking hopeless and why have you got so little faith in the good reverend Chris Noth and so much faith in this completely unknown wardrobe department that you're laying the blame at his feet? This is before he got his act together and started his church. This is a man adrift, uh, probably awash with cocaine and booze from the high-rise success of Sex in the City and uh, whatever, I guess, advertisements or you know special appearances he booked on other sitcoms. Uh, I feel like we're watching a man in between shooting this movie whose life is spiraling out of control before he found God and started preaching. <laughs> Actually, on that, there's a bit where... Um, uh, oh, what is it? It's, I think it's when Carrie is around. It's the night before the wedding and she's hanging out with the gals and Big rings her. And is he, like, at work? And he's kind of... He's in front of some books and he says, Carrie, there's something I have to tell you. And in my head, I went, I can't read. Like he's gotten away with it up until this point. And it's never like, that bit's never actually answered. Yeah. The thing that he directly has to tell her. I'm like, fuck, maybe he can't read. He's Which just, harkens back to our theory that he um, also has no idea what's going on with the, the stock market in spite of the fact that he has been uh, charged with the wardship of potentially billions of US dollars. It absolutely colours his every action. The man is perpetually just out of his depth. A wedding, you say? (laughs) Sure, I'll show up literally to the venue and then not marry the woman I've been in love with for 10 years because she's wearing a veil before walking into the wedding venue we have booked, so I'm not 100% certain I'm going to be marrying her. Which is, if you boil it down to its essence the logic that underpins his jilting her at the altar is like i needed to know it was us too what and not you yeah. and someone else who's accidentally shows up to your wedding dressed <laughs> almost identically to your wife and you accidentally marry the guy is a fucking what, lunatic what else have we got here a, a, a balanced uh fund some mutual fund worth yeah. 500 million dollars yes that sounds like definitely within my wheelhouse I'm pretty, have sure, I'm pretty sure when they're preparing dinner and vegetables uh, and Carrie brings up the idea of her selling the apartment so they can share the financial deed to the house, he's chopping chili or capsicum or peppers or something on a yeah. chopping board. Yeah, and I yeah. might be misremembering this, but after he's chopped up all of the vegetables, I'm pretty sure he scrapes them straight into a rubbish bin. The guy <laughs> is slightly off. <laughs> He's seen Jamie Oliver on the telly and he's got it fucking cutting things up. That's what cooking's all about. And he doesn't know that there is a second step to it. You just produce a knife, get it nice and sharp. (laughs) I can do that. (laughs) There's definitely something I'm capable of. I too am a chef. Here's all the things I am. Marriage material. A chef. Definitely someone who should be put in charge of a lot of money. Can I read books? Let me answer your question with a question. How do you feel about us going out for dinner? (laughs) And then when he has to write her love letters to win her back, instead of doing anything of his own accord, he literally transcribes an entire book as though to prove he can both read and type. And somehow, this is enough to win back the woman he jilted at a wedding in front of 200 of New York's best and brightest. It's not fucking romance, it's plagiarism. For God's sake, is there an original thought in your head? Do you know another beautiful little, before we put a pin in this, a beautiful little big moment to round off this fantastic conversation about his motivations and intelligence is when Carrie uh, is going to pick up the expensive shoes, the $525 shoes at the uh, penthouse apartment, which they never lived in and have sold. Uh, mm-hmm. She runs into Big, who's you know just behind the du- one of the double doors in the, the wardrobe he built for them in Happier Days. And uh, she walks in and he's got sort of the quite a, a guilty and mischievous glint in his eye that's as he's carrying the two $525 shoes which suggests his life had spiraled so badly and he was uh, feeling so low, 
he was about to put on a little show for himself where he paraded around the apartment performing in character as the woman he jilted but still is madly in love with. And the fact that Carrie's arrival, while I'm happy for them as a couple and their reunion, uh, deprives us of what would undoubtedly be the highlight of not just this but any moment in the Sex and the City franchise is devastating. Well, we could all learn a lot from Paul. Sometimes you just need to put on some high heels and give yourself a little show. Absolutely. Not to undercut that moment as well, but that's definitely an attempt at a Cinderella moment, right? Like, that's why they use shoes, and they've kind of got that shot of him holding the shoe. Before I answer your question, I'd like to say, I hate the fact that you tried to undercut this very uh, deft and touching piece of cinema by uh, suggesting it is emulated or aped in some way the story of Cinderella. I retract my previous statement. I'd like to end the podcast uh, before I embarrass myself further. Not at all, man. It's been, uh, if nothing else, and this might be, this is an interesting thing, I think, which colors our experience so far, is while the screenings of the movie are undeniably worse um, alone and really quite challenging, the... The fact that we're deprived of one another as we watch it makes the recording of the conversation sort of, it feels like it's tinged with a little more happiness than previous experiences. It's early doors, I know, but I think maybe, you know, there's, um, there is sort of uh, unforeseen value in these individual watches and in that it, it's You're a, so right. It's a joy to speak with you. Uh, heart, uh, uh, what is it? absence makes the heart grow fonder and whilst previously we could kind of let off steam during the movie because we're watching it together now we're suffering in silence and capturing the um, obvious love and affection that these two best friends have for each other uh, on the mic f- for your enjoyment so look hopefully you're having fun you're enjoying yourself out there um, we'll catch you in the next episode guy it's a pleasure to talk to you And to you, my friend, have a fantastic uh, and safe honeymoon. Thank you very much. We just have a good rhythm together, you know. He sort of feels me out, I feel him out, and uh, we go for it. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.